Hello, welcome to another episode of Sonic Talk. This is uh, Wednesday, the the 18th of May, uh, episode 448, recording live on this very Wednesday. Uh, we're streaming to our usual place, which is sonicstate.com forward slash live, and also want to welcome our YouTube live viewers as well. I'm trying to view both chat rooms, but it's quite difficult to do both while presenting a show, so I'll try and uh, pay attention. But um, this is the show that's all to do with music technology, news in the music world, music production live sound albums artists all that kind of stuff please stay tuned and if you like what you hear and see um, why not subscribe you can subscribe to us on YouTube also iTunes and all the usual places so uh, let's get started oh before I go um also want to say thank you very much to Isotope who are sponsoring the show. We've got a new prize today. You may have seen they've actually announced something new. So there will be something new to reflect that. So we will uh, get onto that probably about halfway through the show. So uh, stick around. Right, let's get to our guests. Uh, we'll start over here with Mr. David Spears of GeForce Software. Dave uh, in his synth cave, which is it's starting to look like one of those um, kind of nuclear families that has uh, vinyl on the sofa. Because all I see is plastic covering all of your beautiful instruments that you no doubt make in the uh, study of your fabulous software instruments at G4 Software. How's that for a seamless length? It's quite good. Completely inaccurate, but quite good. Well, that's all right. <laughs> no, it's all about all. the feeling. Yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> is the sun shining in your neck of the woods? Has spring sprung and summer hit and all of those things, or has it started raining again? It's raining. Hang on. Oh, you yeah. can't really see that. Well, that looks you? like that looks like dazzling sort of sunlight because of that. Yeah, but I'm guessing no, it isn't because usually it's lighter in your room. Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. So, um, but pleased to have you aboard, and uh, we will no doubt be hearing from you in a short while. I'm just going to uh, introduce the other panelists as well while we have them at our disposal. Uh, we'll say hi to Gaz Williams. Gaz Williams, of course, uh, music technologist, producer, bass player, doing a lot of live gigs uh, this year, and also uh, we just posted the uh, little well, first of our little mini series, which is the called Volker uh, um, Volker Vibes. I called it on a whim. Yeah, I think that was a good name. It's brilliant, that is. I, was, uh, I think it's such a cool thing. Everyone should watch that one because it's, it's about that magic MIDI cable. It's brilliant. It's really exciting. I think, um, God, clever MIDI cables. It was a bit of a revelation, wasn't it? It was very cool. Yeah, this is the uh, this retro kit. Uh, before, uh, before you wonder what we're talking about, it's the retro <laughs> kits. Uh, RK002, which is basically a standard MIDI cable with a tiny little microprocessor what, in one end. Which microprocessor, Nick? Uh, uh, NXP uh, something, something, something. I forgot, ah! actually. But it, but what it does is real-time convert incoming MIDI down the cable into something else. So in the case of the Volker sample, it means that you can play all the individual sounds off one keyboard without having 10 channelized pads or notes. And then also to um, to chromatically play sounds and samples across a couple of octaves when you select them with the bottom octave. It's just, you know, which it converts notes into the controller data that needs to be um, transmitted for the, uh, for the essentially, the control of the tuning of the song. It's just really clever. Mm. And it, I'm sure has loads of other possibilities. Anyway, guys, how are you? Uh, cool, eh? I mean, I just got back after a four-day, three-day tour with Matuki. Absolutely. Ram-packed gigs. Sweaty. Hot, sweaty, funky, amazing, brilliant, absolutely amazing. And playing all new areas as well, like a couple of gigs in London, and they were just amazing. So it was like, it was amazing because it just felt really um, like you're part of something 
really cool going on. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, that's it was amazing. Nice it was so good. We're all on a bit of a high about it because it was, uh, yeah, and people were sort of singing the songs as well. So, you know, it's kind of getting out there a little bit now. That's Matuki, by the way, the Afro. That's the album that you produced uh, over the winter and the spring, right? Yeah, and, you know, that I will do something about that album at some point in the future, but it's funny, it's like from pre the album to after the album has a massive change in the way that that band sounds and it's sort of because the production enabled the, the the thing to become a shape with a, you know with a almost to be honest with a narrative every song has an absolutely definable narrative across it and now that's fed into the live stuff and it's like dynamite now it's absolutely brilliant so it's uh well yes, congratulations yeah no congratulations Sorry to be excited, but it's working. It's like I'm like kind of stewing up mad plans all the time, casting them out, and it's actually nice to see it sort of working, you know. In some, you know, it's a building thing. Yeah, um, no, excellent. Well, congratulations. Ah. And speaking of live bands, uh, we have Mr. Richard Hilton here from uh, the States where he's up bright and early. Well, it's not too bright and early, but uh, I want to say thank you for joining us. Rich, of course, plays with Chic live, travelling the world, playing the fabulous music of Noel Rogers, where he also works with him in the studio. How are you, Rich? I'm very well, thank you. I am glad to hear that. Very glad to hear that. So, um, anything exciting happening in your world you want to get off your chest before we uh, move on? Um... Not, it's, uh, no. <laughs> just a regular just, day at the office. I've just returned from Maryland where my son and I visited the place of his future employment. Ah, okay. And, and interestingly enough, this is one of the largest live sound reinforcement providers, apparently, in the world. And the guy who answered the door at lunch hour was the owner of the company who then spent 15 minutes with us showing me around. Oh, nice. So it worked nice. out really, really great. And, uh... Corey's going to start working there next week. So um, this was a trip to uh, arrange a few things in the area for him, like living situations. Oh, brilliant. Another that's, phase of life and all of those things. As it gets for me this week, I'm afraid. Well, no. that's, that's very important family stuff, though. That's great. Um, we should say, before we do get started, that uh, also um, we're going to be... Moogfest is this week. Uh, in Durham, North Carolina. And we were going to try and get over ourselves, but uh, fortunately we've got uh, a brilliant uh, offer of help from Katie Kilobyte, who is going to go and do some video stuff on behalf of us. So you should be seeing a few things coming through from her. So if you see her there, say hi and uh, help her if she needs any assistance. That would be brilliant. But uh, thank you very much, Katie. And uh, we look forward to seeing the stuff you get. And I hope you have a great trip. Right, so let's start with something. What was it? I better, I better check and see if there's actually something, a button I need to press to actually have it start. Yeah, let's start with this. This is a guy called Code80, who's uh, programmed some three-dimensional space and created this kind of uh, a 3D environment using a 10-buck uh, PS3 iCam at 120 frames a second and create an environment with sort of various matching. So he's he's created this. This is, hap- you know, this is his virtual DJ thing. And in itself, you might think, well, what's so special? But he's actually interacting with decks and it's overlaying on the actual hardware. So he's playing music. He's also processing the music in real time. When he starts playing, you'll be able to see what's going on. So there we go. So now, you know, he's got animate. This this is a bit sort of vomit inducing because it's sort of, it's not you moving. So it's a little bit disorientating. But the idea itself is just quite smart. The fact that, you know, okay, this is for DJing, but I'm wondering, 
you know, if this guy can do it with, after he's had a couple of days with an iCam and he was using Unity, which is a game sound programming engine, and this is what he came up with, it seems to me that there could be some pretty exciting things. Because as we know, 3D uh, and virtual immersion stuff is getting quite exciting. I don't know if you've if you've tried Google Cardboard, but uh, since I've got my new phone, which is a bit faster, um, it's, actually, it's actually really quite impressive. Even though a little bit blocky, you can get all of these. And I'm just thinking there's got to be some exciting and useful musical purposes for this kind of stuff. I thought I'd start with you, Dave. That was rich, obviously. Because... Um, you know, in terms of sound design and that side of, side of things, you know, everybody's kind of almost waiting to know what they do because people obviously design things for game environments, but for real-time interactive 3D, I'm guessing this could be there could be a paradigm shift. If it's that easy to create something along those lines, then maybe we could be expecting to see some other things, and that's what makes it um, more interesting for me. Yeah. Um, I do know that it's going to be... I believe this Christmas is big push, the whole VR thing. It's a lot of stuff going on. I think I can talk about one. Uh, went to see Unders at, actually, yeah, because Carl talked about it publicly. I went to see Unders at um, Roundhouse a month or so back. And they've got, they had VR cameras and stuff on stage. And by all accounts, actually, it's probably the perfect time for any budding VR people to get into it. Uh, and start hustling companies in terms of audio because it's where they see the next explosion and they really want it to be this Christmas's big push, but they're lacking content. Left it a bit late for Christmas, but yeah. Yeah, so I think there is this kind of, you know, mad, mad, mad rush and there seems to be quite a lot of uh, funding, you know, VC capital out there for whoever's going to become the latest, greatest, all-singing, all-dancing VR dude company. So, yeah, it's quite intriguing. It's not something my – it's quite weird. It's a real generational thing, isn't it? My nipper is so into this. Like, she goes to GamesCon and all of those places all over the world. And every time she comes back, all she's talking about at the minute, apart from these kind of YouTube stars who play games and talk about it, um, which is quite funny because – Obviously, I do the same on synths, but it's like poles apart in right. terms of numbers, you know. It's, um, yeah. And she comes that's back and she's just is. ranting about it. And I think there's a VR set that's doing the rounds of kind of PC world and stuff over here. And she's like, you have to go and we have to take grandma and we've got to take mama. All of these people to whom it's a completely alien thing. She wants to immerse them in it. So for her generation, it's massively, massively exciting. Uh, and I'm at the minute looking on from the kind of sidelines going hmm this is kind of interesting I'd like a room like this but that I could play music to and there'd be loads of pretend friends there stroking beards going hmm very good mm, very good <laughs> appreciative audience preset please yeah <laughs> <laughs> can you make that can, can we have some more women in the audience as well and yeah I know what you're saying it, it is I mean it reminded me because I, I, I was involved in the kind of the curve of CD-ROMs. You know, we were uh, developing games and coming up with ideas with CD-ROMs. And and it feels like if you're in the right position, then that there are people constantly looking, yeah, looking for content, looking for applications, looking for things like that. And if it's, if it's going to be relatively straightforward to be able to do that, then now's the time. I think you agree. I know, Rich, is it, it, that there's a big... that 
there's there's quite a lot more push in the states because there's more companies that are pushing. You know, Facebook are pushing it. VR. Uh, I mean, there are lots of there's lots of areas in which this will go. I mean, presumably it's only a matter of time, or indeed they might have already been asked to kind of provide music or assets from you know the the Niall Rogers Creative Output Factory that will format for this kind of thing. But I mean, outside of that, is there any? Um, can you see any musical applications outside of the virtual DJ side of things that you you think? I mean, I guess much of this stuff is we haven't seen it yet, so we don't know, right? I'm not sure how how. I mean, one of the more obvious things is to create some sort of interactive environment in which the participant affects which aspects of the music are playing back. If people want to provide stems towards that end, but beyond that, I can't see really with this. I have been. Offer, I have tried on a pair of virtual reality glasses that kind of it kind of blew my mind. It was pretty cool looking. Um, and I absolutely believe Dave when he says that will be this year's Christmas push and I'm all interested to see it come true now. I, I'm not sure. You know, I'm really not sure. I don't have yeah. a good answer for this. And I thought I didn't quite understand that whole the point of what the guy who did the video was doing beyond some sort of three-dimensional virtual reality color organ yeah I, I think the point was that he'd created this and it, it was responding to his interactions with physical dj equipment and what he was doing was reflected in what was going on so presumably that would mean it could control i never DJ saw anything either. between the visual that specifically correlated to my perception of the music right it was just a bunch of like whatever notes and yeah or whatever it was flying down the screen out of the speed it's something emanating from a speaker in an animated setting yeah but it didn't i didn't see the like i said didn't know. see the correlation. yeah i guess it might it might it's the sort of thing that might kind of get the juices flowing if you operate in this world i know gas i mean what do you think i think the idea of being able to kind of just go in and play your own music and then dial in an audience and have it surround you with vr while you're looking at your screen or while you're looking at your you know the instruments you're playing could be kind of cool like heighten the uh heighten the experience when you're actually just playing on your own in the bedroom <laughs> <laughs> um wow yeah i mean it 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 was making me think then a few years from now, then we will have like superstars who are the people who have mastered this technology. You know, people who are like, like, like what DJs were in the past and a VJ combined into one because, and in some way you are seeing them in some sort of performance, but VR way. Sorry, I'm talking a bit jumbled. No, I understand what you mean. So in the future, there'll be so many of these people, but they don't, kind of exist yet so it's quite funny as this mo- moment in time as a time capsule where those type because we've had like you know in in point go back in history and there wasn't a dj and then there was a dj <laughs> so what this thing will become i don't know but who will be these future stars i'd like you know to somehow link into the future with this you know i think so I, rich you had a comment i believe i saw your hand raised off camera yeah, Gaz, i could introduce you to one of them and he probably doesn't live that far from you Wow. Huh. These guys wow. exist. I mean, and not so much from the standpoint of virtual reality, because I just do not envision an audience of 5,000 people each wearing goggles watching the show. That's just not the way I yeah, see maybe. the live concert experience evolving. I've been wrong before. So if that's where we're <laughs> going, okay. But Well, maybe a multicast where you're all sitting at home watching it from a central point. Well, in, in terms of broadcast possibility, yeah. 
like uh, re- uh, recreating the immersive experience of being in the hall, seeing whomever. Uh, that I can understand. But um, there are guys doing unbelievably creative things with multiple source videos live as it goes on. And I think most of it is attached to EDM community stuff right now. Most of the most creative things I see being done seem to be attached to that. But this guy who has toured a little bit with us, and I'm not, you know, bragging on our, I don't know what our stuff looks like, so I'm not here to brag on that. But he, I've seen his work and he's absolutely brilliant. And he's, and there are guys out there who are really working on this. Mm. Yeah. Well, the Microsoft, uh, I think it's Holodeck um, that works with overlays and it, it was enhanced reality. I mean, I could see that. I mean, I suppose the thing, uh, what you were saying, Gaz, about artists who are going to be coming to the forefront, I mean, because as with many um, very popular kind of superstar artists, they create a persona, you know, Lady Gaga, you know, their prince, you know, their, their allegiance. And I guess this allows them to create even, an even more complete world and thing around themselves where they can still be you know go to the shop and buy a pint of milk and nobody will ever be interested i wonder how much connection there's likely to be whether you have an emotional or a, or a physical connection with them i mean i guess we've seen it in japan with the little anime um characters who do the the vocaloid stuff and that they're massive so i mean there there obviously is something in the human condition that will uh, will will embrace that but it, yeah i mean who knows I'm just thinking of Rich's, Rich's comment about you don't see this in the kind of gig, you know, thousands of people sat there with the VR things. If you think about it, it's one step away that. from this, isn't it? Just <laughs> yeah. watching the gig through your phone. It's like the next step. It's really yeah, fair funny. Enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's true. Just put Google Cardboard on I, instead. So I you did, just wear your phone in a... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did hear a really funny one where a band had done a gig with... Um, you know, a headphone gig, and I won't say who it was, but they did it at a shopping at a shopping centre, and it was quite funny because, obviously, it was all electronic with the exception of the singer and the and the people. You know, the audience were filming it, and of course, all they could hear. So, when they upload their video to YouTube, there's no music. There's mm. no music. There's just this slightly abstract, out of context vocal stuff yeah which well they'll have to yeah well i suppose they have to stream it as well then but yeah that's a that's a good point i suppose you're right though i mean it's not that far away from having your phone kind of taped to your head because like say google cardboard works that way so i mean there could well be a way i suppose the problem would be latency if you're watching it you're going to have to have some really super fast stuff to be able to go translate what's happening real time on stage with yeah, stuff. i mean that's you, a good idea you know no, maybe not I take it all back. People strap on 3D goggles and sit there for two hours all the time. So what do I, what do I think? Well, well, I suppose that's true, yeah. yeah. Pardon? In the Bahamas, I think I'll just escape this and go into my PR <laughs> right. world instead. Right, right, exactly. It's real. It's all getting a bit William Gibson. But yeah, do check it out. If you want to um, find out a bit more about it, uh, I think uh, there's a it's his it's code80.com uh that's the place to check it out and uh he's he's got a blog and these are the first experiments i think he's kind of posting more stuff uh but i, I spotted that one on uh, create digital music another great find by peter kern there so uh, it's worth following what he does as well okie dokie right um what's the time oh let's do let's do an ad we got something new this week because, uh, as well as uh, announcing the winner of last week's competition from Isotope, we've got a new product and a new competition. 
This is the new vocal synth. This is the vocoder and vocal processing. In fact, that is the isotope fairy. I didn't know she could sing. So it's got four engines. Polyvoice, uh, CompuVox, uh, TalkBox, and a straight vocoder. It does will do harmonies, octaviding, all sorts of stuff. This seems to all work in real time. Obviously using some of Isotope's very clever real-time analysis. This is just out today, in fact. Obviously going for a kind of Daft Punk vibe on this, just to demonstrate. So there we have it. That's Isotope's brand new vocoder and vocal processing plugin, VocalSynth. So uh, if you want to check that out, go to isotope.com forward slash VocalSynth. Uh, as usual, I, th- I don't know if they've got a, uh, an unlimited demo on that, but uh, you might want to check it out. Uh, I, they usually do with a lot of their products, so we'll see. And there's lots of other presets and lots of other things going on. Um, so we shall now, let's get to the competition, because uh, we had, from last week, we were... Uh, we were with Ozone 7, which is another iState product, and we asked the uh, asked people to enter the competition, and we picked a winner from the uh, supercomputer uh, device that I've, I've uh, figured out how to do this anyway. The chap, uh, the chap who won last week's competition, a copy of Ozone 7, is at 3Square Gyratory. At 3Square Gyratory, uh, spelt, I imagine how you would, how you would uh, imagine it. Uh, he tweeted, RIP Tomita, we talked about Tomita uh, last week, who showed there are no musical boundaries, and he tweeted the hashtag Analog Vibe and Ozone 7 to at Sonic State, not Isotope Inc. So if you get in touch, three square gyratory, uh, then the Isotope Fairy, who is currently in residence, will be able to uh, deposit a copy in your inbox. And also, uh, we have a new competition. Uh, obviously, if you want to win uh, Vocal Synth, which is the brand new hot off the press out today, uh, you want to tweet the hashtag SingIt, which is all one word, hashtag SingIt, the hashtag VocalSynth, to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. That's the hashtag SingIt, the hashtag VocalSynth, to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. That's a Twitter competition, and we will announce the winner in next week's show. I imagine um, your missus must be very pleased because we know that she's not a big fan of vocoders. Is, is it like a clowns thing? Do some people, some people are really scared of clowns and have a, an, un, un, an unnecess- you know, a, a completely sort of an irrational fear of them? Is, is vocoders a thing like that? Yeah, well, yeah, certainly with her, it's both clowns and vocoders. So, yeah. <laughs> Vocoding clowns, that'd be a nightmare. <laughs> the imminent divorce or whatever, I'm gonna, I will turn up at court wearing a clown suit and talking through a vocoder. No, as soon as I saw that, I thought, I must get that to wind her up. No. <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, it's ju- it looks looks like a pretty interesting technology, so do check it out, and we thank them very much for their sponsorship. Right, let's get on to... Oh, uh, yeah, this was, um, this was a bit terrifying. I mean, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but this was... Uh, uh, where is it? Oh... Wait one second. Uh-huh. I need to bring the web page up. This is the news. There's a chap called uh, James Pinkenstone who essentially uh, he's been subscribed to the Apple Music Service, which is a you know a, a, an interesting thing, which is the cloud-based thing. So it scans what you got on your hard drive and then gives you access to it via via the internet. It's, on, on the face of it, it's a great idea. You know, you pay, I don't know what it's ten bucks, fifteen bucks a month. I can't remember. But uh, what he's actually um, what he found was 
Uh, well, I'll, I'll take this here. The story basically goes, he has a lot of music on his hard drives, 122 gigabytes of music, a lot of it being uh, stuff that he writes himself because he's a composer. Apple, uh, the way it works is Apple scans your uh, audio files, tries to find matches, and does find matches, and when it finds the match, it seems to delete the local copy and then give you access to it via the cloud, which may or may not be a good thing. It's something to do with the licensing. I think it must be some somewhere. Anyway, uh, this this is kind of hard, pretty much unreasonable. But what he actually found was that a lot of the tunes that were his, that were, you know, stuff that he worked on, Apple didn't find a very good match and then, you know, didn't do the match and then deleted it from a hard drive, his hard drive. So he's basically lost. A, I mean, he's got backups, but it just wiped out a whole bunch of his music using this service. So it's something you really want to watch out for. I mean, obviously, the rights and wrongs of keeping uh, offline copies are, you know, huge. So I don't know what you think about this, Dave. Do you use Apple Music? I mean, I know a lot of people do. So uh, Have you had the same, the same problem? Oh, no. It's really, really, really terrible. I signed up for that. Uh, it, was, it was iTunes. Mac. I haven't moved over to Apple Music, probably largely because of this. I signed up to that iTunes match thing. So needless to say, all my iTunes library ended up in the cloud, which isn't the cloud, is it, people? Uh, and then all the WAVs and AFs got converted. And now when I listen to stuff, so I've got, see, what I would do is I'd finish a track. And when I'd finished it, I would render out an AFE. I would throw it in iTunes, and that would become a kind of definitive working version. And also, at certain stages during the production, if I'd found, like, vocals, a set of backing vocals that worked extremely well, I'd render those out, put those into my iTunes library, and that sometimes I'd re-import those in to save, you know, to basically condense several tracks down to two, if the vibe was right. Now, of course, when I open those tracks, when I open those projects in Logic, because they've been converted to AACs, the AFE no longer exists. So it Whoa. goes, can't find that. So, yeah, this is really, it's a massive, massive issue for idiots like me who have allowed themselves to be duped into thinking that technology was the answer when really papyrus is the only way. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. I know. A couple well, I don't think anybody knows. That's the thing. I mean, I don't think this knowledge is common. That's the problem. Yeah. It might. I didn't it might, really lie. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, go, go. It just might make a, a, a resurgence in the value of CDs. Uh, you know, people might start thinking, hang on a minute. I'm, <laughs> I want to lock my music down physically again, you know. Well, particularly as this was, re this person had issues with, and I've got this, you know, I've got like alternate versions of tracks that are still called, you know, like with unders, say, for example, they may be, I may have six versions of a track, but they'll be called, you know, something yeah, one, one, something six, two. Yeah. But uh, it's made this arbitrary decision to kind of go, oh, Does okay, so they're all the same. Does it look outside of the place where those are, you know, because if you've got like a project folder and then you drag, you import it into iTunes, does it actually reach outside of the iTunes library? No, and, no and it's only what's it? in the library. But the problem I've got is that, you know, some of these projects date back. Actually, and what it's done with me is raised another issue. Uh, you, everyone knows how much I love Solemony and I think Melodyne is amazing. But with the latest Melodyne 4, you have to surrender a previous Melodyne license. So for people like me who've got 
you know, when I have to make a big jump, I buy a whole new system and a whole new computer, which is an absurd expense, really, in order to preserve old stuff on old machines. Well, now I don't have the license to that, so I've now got loads of projects that use Melodyne 2 that just don't function. So it's a really scary, you know, both of these things put together. I'm just like, oh, wait for it. My photos are going to vanish next. You know, 25 years of digital photos are just going to disappear and I'm just going to have to suck it. Mm, Yeah, physical copies, man. I know, Rich, you are. You're probably sitting there thinking, you fools. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) No. But yes, but but I mean the thing I think the thing that's so so terrifying about this is who knew that this was this was part of the process. I mean it's just not documented as far as we understand clearly anyway. Well, I will tell you what I knew. Uh when iTunes match showed up, I knew it wasn't for me because I have too much proprietary material in my various music libraries for somebody else to be have any kind of access to it whatsoever. And when Apple Music showed up, I said, no thanks. (laughs) Now, I'm the last guy usually to plant a flag in a technology and say, I'm staying here. And it's not because I (laughs) want to do that, that this took place. But at both turns, with the iTunes match thing and with the appearance of Apple's music service, it didn't appeal to me as an idea. And I just said no. And and I also, also as I say, it relates to partly partially the fact that because we're professionals in this business, we have quite often partially completed, incomplete, or embryonic work on those libraries. And yeah. it's not like you know, it's you don't necessarily throw open your underwear drawer when the guest walks into the house the first time. And uh, <laughs> I don't, a... really, I didn't really no, wise words access to that. So I'm not thinking anybody's a fool because everybody makes their own decisions at those moments and they're all reasonable decisions. It's, they're all defensible and it's, uh, I'm sure there are people who can get on here and talk about how great their experience has been with Apple's music, but um, I didn't need it. No, <laughs> so no, right. It. And it's re- I don't really tend to listen to like, you know, uh, broadcast material, unlike our, po- except of course for our podcast. Um Outside of the realm of like when I if I launch Apple's iTunes player for some reason, I'm generally launching it to listen to something. Even yeah. if I'm looking around for something, it's probably something in my library. I'm not putting on somebody's radio station usually. I don't know if that makes me unusual or what. But um, no, I, I well I, I don't. I mean, I use it purely and mostly for uh, making CDs. You know, if I need to make burn ah, a CD, I'll just use it to burn a CD and I'll import a track. You know, and whatever. I know, Gaz, have you been burned by this? Because you use iTunes for previewing your mixes. I've seen you do it. Um, no. Well, I, I make this... I do a lot of kind of very manual backupping, sort of, you know. Um, I've got some automatic stuff, but I do some manual backupping, which... Uh, so I've always, I'm always duplicating it at once a month, sort of onto somewhere else. So I th- think... I haven't experienced so it. So you're probably safe. I think so, yeah. But but at the same time, it's really worrying, though. It is a really worrying thing. And it is also that Apple 
my way or the highway sort of attitude a little bit you know it's just like this is how we do it and well you know, yeah and, we sang, I, and they you know yeah. they put the they put it didn't they in the disclaimer about it, it that, that we all click and agree you terms, know, the thing that, yeah you know the terms that we all agree to you know so yeah, we are the, 15 pages long we yeah. are the suckers because we didn't read the terms you know but, but we are like gannet so aren't we you know in the modern techno technological age of just you know everything free content give it to me give it to me you know it's just a that is sort of a, a symptom of the modern age, which actually yeah. coming back to CDs and just little objects and, you know, having something that you spend a bit of time with as a physical thing, you have much more relationship with it. You know, digital download stuff, you never have any tactile relationship with either. So I think, well, yeah, um, there's that. Oh. But once we all know that when we agree to something like iTunes Match, where all of your files that are existent in their existing library then become accessible to you through that library. None of us, after the moment we've agreed to that, is surprised that when we don't have a decent Wi-Fi or, or we're running up our LTE connections or whatever, that it's going to either cost you money running up LTE or you're not going to be able to get at it when you're not by a network. And I don't think I that's saw, surprised I, to anybody. No, but I didn't realize that was necessarily the case because the point was that it was... You know, it, it was like almost like one of those uh, sort of knife amnesties where you just kind of go, here, here are all my knives. I agree, you know, maybe some of them are a bit long and they shouldn't be out in public. You know, maybe some of these tunes are, you know, I've bought some of them I might have downloaded. But, you know, if I hand it all over, then we do a deal and the whole thing, you can handle it all and I'll get copies of what, what you think I've got. I don't recall part of that agreement appearing to be and we'll just delete it all when we're done but it must have been some part of the strategy well, that they did with all of the labels right as it was pitched as a convenience feature that would allow you to reclaim space on your mobile device right ah, that okay. was part of the pitch from day one on itunes because storage is so expensive these days right <laughs> yeah well just mm. uh, but was you, running, you know all right okay i did i didn't i didn't i guess i didn't get into it but I yeah nasty I seriously thought it would differentiate between AACs, MP3s, and WAVs and APES. I thought, actually, if that's a, you know, they're large, you know, they're quite large data files, APES. Yeah. Well, so I thought uh, it'll leave those intact and, because mm -hmm. we can convert within iTunes. You know, we can convert to MP3, we can convert to AAC and whatnot. The fact that we choose not to do that, I would have thought that would have kind of ring-fenced those. Yeah. That was my assumption, albeit incorrectly. Mm. Well, anyway, so watch out. Uh, if you are if you are thinking about it or you're not sure, make sure you've got backups before you get too into that because that's a pretty terrifying story. Anyway, let's uh, let's crack on with... Uh, um, what time is it now? Uh, we should probably get on to the, uh, the Radiohead album, which is, you know, has just come out. This is the uh, Moon... Sorry. Hooray! Yeah, uh, we have other topics, but I figured we'd get here because this might prove... This is uh, Moonshape Pool, just come out. I, I, I'm i not going to play anything because I know I'm just going to get totally busted. This has just come out. They've done their usual thing of kind of sort of non-promotion promotion, not taking the usual channels, or at least it looks like that way. And it's still got number one album in the UK and number three in the US. And it, I, I bought it the other day and it, it does say it sounds very lush and lovely. It's kind of quite ambient it by nature and there are definitely quite a lot of synthy textures in there and what have you um i know gaz you were keen to talk about this um you're a big fan right oh yeah definitely i mean they have definitely been the band who have been the most 
whatever it was that like Pink Floyd were in the 1970s after Dark Side of the Moon, you know, Radiohead have, have occupied that slot in sort of rock circles. So, you know, they are the zeitgeist defining rock band in, a, in many ways. The last album, The King of Limbs, was, you know, it's a, it's a really good album, but it doesn't really give you what you want from it. But this one is just giving you so much. It's an absolutely beautiful album. But the um, orchestration of it, of band and orchestral instruments, are so interwoven together so beautifully. It's not like, you know, you know, it's a rock band playing and there's a strings going along with it. It's a much more sophisticated, um, you know, mu it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I think that, it, that a lot of people struggle with Tom York's voice. And it is a gloomy kind of place they take you to. Yeah. You know, that is their thing. It is sort of a... You know, it's quite serious. I mean, the last song, True Love Waits, is so heartbreaking. It's so sad. Oh, my goodness. It's a really powerful piece of music. And that's an old tune, actually. That, that, And that's probably the most conventional song on the album. Even still, its orchestration is, is amazing on it. But that's, from, but that's back from, I think, a song from the Benz era that they've wow. brought back. Oh, I, I don't yeah, know. That, that there has been talk that this has been, you know, it's not necessarily a new set of songs, but a revisiting of some that have been sort of in, the, okay. in, 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 in you know, working over time. So I suppose uh, what, what I would say is that every song has is a is very detailed. And I think that's just amazing. It's uh, and it's got an inviting, inviting mix. You know, however, it's been mixed and mastered is very inviting. It's not a it's a. I think maybe King of Limbs was a little bit more abrasive, I think, perhaps. But this one, it's very warm. In, in well, they've got they've gone for the, uh, uh, just go here, they, you can get the, as well as vinyl and various other things, you can download it in MP3, 16-bit or 24-bit WAV. So they've gone for that. You probably can't read that. The contrast isn't there. So they've given it, you know, they, they've obviously making sure you get the full quality, which I think mm. is a good thing. You know, I mm. mean, I guess... That's a lot of data if everybody downloads 24-bit versions of their album. I mean, God knows how many they sell. I mean, because they're one of the few bands that still sell a lot of stuff. Has it made it... I mean, it's got to number three in the US. I mean, it seems astonishing to me, Rich, because they are, to me, they seem quite niche and sort of left to centre or, or off centre at least. And, it, you know, to, to achieve that is pretty astonishing. Have they got high profile there? I mean, is there a lot of press going on? I mean, it just doesn't seem to be any of it. All word of mouth, as far as I can tell. Yeah, um... I what first of all, I know painfully little about Radiohead or this topic, and I have not heard the record. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, everything you say, I would assume is true, but they're not they're not very well known <laughs> right here. So, uh, but I have friends for twenty years who have been raving about them as their favorite band and stuff like that. So they are very very revered and loved, and that much I have observed. <laughs> but I've just never actually sat down with the music, so I don't have anything really pithy to say about it. No, okay, well that's fair. I mean, uh, one thing I would say: there's a local guy, a uh, drummer um, called Clive Deemer, who lives Hooray! in Bath. I've known him for years and years and years. He played with Portishead, and he used to play in uh, jazz bands when I was doing kind of club nights, and used to do the sound for him a lot. As with all of those guys, those musicians, he's just got the gig as the drummer for the Radiohead World Tour. So, uh, if he ever gets to hear this, congratulations, Clive. He's a very tall man. Mm. Um, not that that does anything, but he's a great, great, 
great drummer so that'll be a fantastic gig yeah. i'd imagine uh dave is there uh, which takes me into the touring side of things i mean this sounds like i guess touring uh, as you tour more and more and more you know you've got more and more albums out it gets harder and harder to kind of put all the tech together for for a live show like this because you've got to you've basically got to grab it they got into since quite a lot recently didn't didn't um tom york buy a big modular system and also johnny greenwood i mean they're all kind of getting very electronic as even though there's a lot of orchestral stuff on this album and, and acoustic stuff too yeah i mean johnny's had the it sounds like a gnome don't i uh, no i don't really uh they're from around here obviously and we know it's a shame actually because i was going to try and get i tried to get andy on here because andy's got Andy's very well connected with them. That's Andy Shilato, he's the sound engineer that we've had quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. he's very good friends with their front house engineer and has known all of them. I think they had an office in Reading and stuff for a while. In fact, they've they've got a studio near Oxford and it's brilliant because the studio was originally run by their management, but they weren't managing them. They were just running a studio and they weren't making any money out of this studio at all. You know, it's just like a kind of studio that was losing the money so the two guys around the studio went tell you what we should get into management and the first band they signed were radiohead and the second band they signed was supergrass <laughs> oh they said so that probably did a lot better right yeah thank you very much yeah so yeah no i've been talking to the uh keyboard tech recently with you know he's obviously setting stuff up to go out live and in fact andy was put on a tour uh, that the Radiohead front of house engineer was supposed to do, but he couldn't do it, so he handed it to Andy instead. Um, other than that, I can't really say very much at all because no, I suppose not. They have spies everywhere, and if you say anything out, out of order, which I probably have already, so are they? Are they very secretive? They then? I mean, or I can't even say if they are. I mean, it's, it's always I always find it quite curious why bands are secretive to a degree. I mean, about you know mundane stuff, you know, just kind of nuts and bolts things. I don't know. Maybe they've they may have relaxed that over the years i i had a run-in i had an issue with them years and years ago i said something in a magazine that i didn't realize i wasn't really supposed to say and it was around the time of that name climb no brand and whatnot so it became an issue that it looked like they were probably endorsing stuff i have to say this ah, and okay. i'm allowed to say this actually is that when we did it kind of i kind of navigated that because it was a very delicate path, but I was used to it because at the time, obviously, Underworld were doing the same kind of thing, no interviews, don't talk to anyone, and obviously they've relaxed over the years, and I was kind of used to that etiquette. Uh, I think anyone who's worked with a major, major band is used to it, but some are slightly more difficult than others. Anyway, I negotiated it, my way through that, and then they were due to go out on another tour, and they called saying, we hear you've got an update to the Mtron, uh, almost ready to go. Is there any chance we could have a copy in order to use it live because we've heard it does this and it does that? And that was obviously the Mtron Pro in beta form. And I just thought, yeah, let's let them have it in beta <laughs> For form. For jeez. Because after all, what could possibly go wrong, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that was really quite a scary... In fact, I said to the tech at the time, yeah, I'll do this for fun. Um, but you have to go and ask them whether I can say... We're so confident about this being robust. We're lending you a beta copy. And he came back about 10 minutes later and went, yeah, they said it's all right. Nice. So that sorted all that out. But yeah, no, I don't I don't really talk about anything else I know other than that. 
Well, that's fair enough. Um, the album, you know, I mean, it's again, it's just gone absolutely huge, and it's you know, as it all everything seems to. I mean, even when they did, they were the first to do that kind of pay what you like. Was it in Rainbows that they did? And it turned out that you know you could pay next to nothing or as much as you like, which actually is kind of the way that Bandcamp works. Uh, incidentally, which uh, I think maybe became more widely adopted as that. And it's an interesting thing because people who value your stuff will do it, and it uh, it allows for a bit of moral decision making rather than just stealing the stuff, I suppose. Which is not a bad thing, and and brave of them, but probably only something they could pull off because they know they were going to sell several hundred thousand at reasonable cost, and the rest, you know could be done down to promotion which is probably cheaper than promotion to give away a few al- a few hundred thousand albums as well i don't know how, how that would work but innovative in many ways and um it is well worth checking out i would say um produced by neil godrich who's done a lot of their stuff right? nigel, Gaz- nigel, godrich, nigel sorry nigel godrich yes yeah yeah brilliant producer absolutely brilliant he um he produced my favorite beck album as well mutations that's a superb album. Great producer. Such a, I think, yeah, you know, he's like the George Martin to the Beatles, isn't he? Um, with, uh, with Radiohead. Uh, I mean, I think maybe the role of a producer in, with a band like Radiohead also takes on a different dimension. When you, when you hear how those tunes, it's really difficult to kind of hear it as a band because it's, the, the, the parts are so not defined. Like, okay, there's one guitarist, there's the other guitarist, there's the bass player. The arrangements, sometimes you can hear bits of guitars, sometimes you can hear bits of bass, sometimes you hear all sorts of stuff. So that whole kind of dynamic of, of it being a band music, yet it does come through. It definitely isn't solo work. It does feel like band music as well. So, you know, so maybe the role Nigel Godrich has as a producer is just is able to somehow navigate that, um, which... Because uh, all the band members get a writing credit, don't they? You know, all the music is written by Radiohead, and I think the the words uh, Tom York. So it's a very democratic unit. So wow, amazing! I I, I listened to it again today. Um, I went for a walk from the duration of the album, and it it just took me places. I just thought, wow, this is like this is what we want. It's I, quite, I love yeah. it. It's it's prog for that for now. You know, it really is. It's brilliant. I, I will say one thing. I have, uh, when we do stuff, I generally have a picture or an, a sound in my head of, like, uh, if we make something and it makes that sound, then it's been right. It's been successful in my head. And I've had this sound, a particular sound in my head for ages, about something I've been saying to everyone here. We need to do this because it'll do this. And I, obviously I can't describe the sound in my head, and I won't say what track it is, but literally within the first five seconds of one track, it's like, that's the sound that was in my head. That was quite a weird moment. That sound. It reminds me very much of the kind of Eno approach to production. There's lots of wash and ebb and flow in it from what I've heard. I haven't listened to it in detail, but it sort of sounds quite... Um, the transitions are, you know, you don't get like, chorus verse you know it's very ethereal in many ways the way it sort of ebbs and flows which is a and kind the burn of... the witch thing as well bristol wouldn't it yeah. Yeah. Nation. Yeah. Bristol. Yes. the trump fact, ah, here we go we can make a we can make a connection here so your clive deemer mm-hmm. plays with gabriel doesn't he um i'm no. not sure he does actually that's maybe i don't think so okay don't think so because the radiohead front of house guy 
used to work or has worked with Gagrin. Oh, well, there we go. That's what I was thinking. Anyway, that's obviously completely off topic. Never mind. (laughs) Close. Uh, All right, well, um, we can now rewind and go back to this other time. Now, imagine, imagine this, having this to play with. I play play guitar. I've been playing guitar since I've been uh, 12 years old. Uh, It's all very mathematical, all rhythmic. Um, maybe that's why I kind of uh, drifted. This is uh, Aaron Hosman. Because I think I started with the music first. Behind me is actually an array of uh, 36 speakers, a uh, more technical term, are noise sources. And each of these horns that you're seeing is able to produce a certain frequency range. It's sort of like a big band. The majority of the noise uh, for the Orion test is uh, we're testing for the launch pad noise, 10987654321. The speaker right behind me, it would take about maybe 10,000 of those speakers at home to just equal the, the power coming out of this monstrous uh, 25 hertz speaker here. Yeah, my first thing out of high school was to be a math teacher and then I would be an architect. Basically, I'll tell you a picture of this that I've got on the web. This is the room at NASA where they make the noise that rockets make so that they can test the equipment to see if it falls to pieces when it's, submit, when it's, when it's uh, submitted to, uh, was it 163 decibels with uh, 20, 27 hertz that those subs are capable of. And that guy, uh, Aaron Hosman, is uh, an acoustic engineer, musician, and he gets to play with this thing. And it just seems like, <laughs> what a fantastic concept. I mean, I know, Gaz, you're really into the sound of rooms and stuff. Um, so, I just, it just blows me away. I mean, you couldn't be anywhere near it because it would just kill you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how? I mean, you can, presumably you've got a volume control on it. <laughs> well, gosh, yeah, I don't know. I hate to think what sort of amps that. that what are they? Hold on, these these are that they are um, nitrogen-driven horns. I don't know what the hell that means, but I like the sound of it because you use liquid nitrogen in rocket fuel as well. So maybe it's just I don't know. It's crazy space, though. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I mean, a hundred thousand cubic feet. Are there any examples of it being used for anything musical, then? Uh, yes. Let me see if I've got oh. this one. This is him playing the guitar in it. I don't think he's using the speakers there. I think he's just using the acoustic space. Um, but it sounds like it's quite a lot of fun. And they are obviously, uh, to see NASA kind of allowing this sort of slightly flippant use of their multi-million, million, million dollar facility <laughs> is quite heartwarming in a way. Well. <laughs> Rich, I know you're a big fan of acoustic spaces. Uh, have you been to this place? I don't know if it's even you're even allowed in. I'd imagine not. But Well, this is new and it's in Sandusky, Ohio, which also happens to contain one of the greatest amusement parks in the world with some of the largest roller coasters in the world. So now Ah. we have one more reason to go to Sandusky, Ohio. They put it on the city on the city limits badge, home of the world's largest acoustic space and roller coasters and roller coaster. They got a roller coaster with something like a 300 foot drop there um, (laughs) at almost 90 degrees. But uh this thing looks like an homage to Paul Klipsch to me. I don't know how much you're familiar with the development of various speaker designs, but Paul Klipsch was an early and um, ardent advocate of horn-loaded 
driver designs for producing high sound pressure levels with very little acoustical input. And so given that this room was purpose designed to create unbelievably high sound pressure levels that don't necessarily have to be musically coherent, and in fact, they're basically testing with noise sources. When he says a noise uh, source, they're trying to simulate the sound of an uh, of a of a rocket taking off, and they're saying that the new one that's supposed to go to Mars is considerably twenty percent louder, louder yeah. than the Saturn V was. So this thing is actually specifically designed to create enormous sound pressure levels with whatever power you give it at as wide a frequency spectrum as possible, but with no specific coherence. It's like sort of the opposite of a line uh-huh. array, if you know what I mean. <laughs> In other words, there's no coherence designed into it or implied by the, well, d- by the that look, d- doesn't that look slightly stereo there's a left and a right that sort of no, 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 I understand. <laughs> they've made some choices about making it symmetrical in the room and 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 all that but uh quite honestly i prefer a cathedral probably for any of that but i mean you know it's fun that you can make it, it's got all that ambience to it and all this it's i understand imagine I imagine it's like kick Snare, oh yeah, just like, wow, blow you across the room. I don't know, Dave, I suspect, I mean, this would be a sound designer's dream, wouldn't it? It's, uh, I mean, imagine an impulse response from there would be, uh, would be something that, that would be nicely sought after. Yeah, I love this guy. I thought he was really very funny. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, um, I don't know what to say, other than I thought perhaps the ultimate torture would be to take somebody from this environment and then put them into an anechoic chamber and then take them out of an anechoic chamber and then put them back in this environment, blast them with noise Mm. and then back in the, and then if you put, if you did that with 3d or, you know, virtual reality goggles on, (laughs) I reckon the the chances of losing your sanity would just be imminent. Well, that's a terrifying thought. Yeah. Well, wild blazer (laughs) in the chat room says stereo three twenty three Hertz. Yeah. That would be kind of, imagine you get that going on. That would, wobble your guts oh, it? well, it's oh. the theta waves isn't it because it's you have to create you, you create two toads um, this is the theory for, for certainly audio warfare was one of them where you take two sine tones that will then beat at a lower frequency than is possible and that will create the theta wave and the theta wave is the thing that just kind of makes you fall to pieces i don't think this guy goes that low but i'd imagine if you were listening to the kind of rocket launch in there uh, at full volume, it wouldn't do you very good. I'm, I'm really it intrigued by these, these mic stands. These mic stands are pretty awesome. Right. Look at them; they're they're, awesome. they're huge. They got to be specialist gear right there. I wonder if they, you can get those from BH Photo. <laughs> <Wouldn't be surprised. laughs> probably, you probably can to stand up to the sound pressure. Yeah, Amazing. I wonder if they sort of do. I wonder if they do this when they when they, they just start to kind of like bend. Yeah, you know, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like kind of fishing rods or something. That would be pretty mental. I had to record know. a load of Formula One stuff years ago. That was pretty. Oh. Well, I'd monitor it on headphones as well to make sure it wasn't clipping. Oh, Yeah, 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 which was just hilarious, really, on a little SQN mixer. It's just red, red, red. But that pressure feeling, particularly on the grid, you know, where we did a couple of test runs at Williams, actually, just so I could get a handle on what was needed and whatnot and did some around there. They had a test track there. That was pretty cool. And then, uh, then it was off to... I think it might have been Silverstone, I forget, where I was literally just kind of stood right by the grid when they all kicked off. And nothing really prepares you for that. Your body just vibrates, which is what I loved about the spin-off to this, wasn't it, with the old Saturn V commentator, what was his name, Walter Cronkite. 
Oh, well, he said, yeah, he was terrified. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is. It's like it's quite a yeah. It's it's funny. There's that. I mean, because there's also I used to live at the top of a hill and um, or quite a steep, almost cliff. There, my house was up there, and at the bottom was a, a, a the railway station. And every couple of months, you'd get the uh, Pullman carriages and the steam train, which is part of, I think it was part of the, one of the, you know, it's like, a, a, anyway, it was a big, big steam train and it'd go past and, and, and it would often happen early on a Saturday morning when I was probably still in bed. I was a lot younger then, so I didn't get up early. And, uh, and you, could, you could feel the pressure waves coming up the valley from the piston in the engine because obviously it's a single stroke so they that you know the thump is kind of one hertz or you know <laughs> lower even and you get the kind of you just feel this thing so imagine capturing that level of low end must be uh must be quite challenging. I wonder what sort of mics they use in there to measure I just, it, um, I mean, from the apollo 440 guys you remember them when talking about dub and all that kind of stuff i forget what the other, the other hits were but they came around and they had this uh recording stuff with them and they had this military box that they claimed was would kind of send the kick kick drum down to 15 hertz which is allegedly the mythical brown note um we tried everything we could but it wouldn't it just wasn't wasn't happening like the interns just just sit in front of the speakers there right <laughs> if you crap yourself no okay <laughs> oh you devils um uh, well, there was one other topic, but I suspect it's probably a little bit too uh, large to cover. But um, we will maybe come back to that next week, if that's possible. Um, uh, I think next week, hopefully, well, the week after, uh, I think well, I'm going to record. Oh, oh, is it next week? No, next week I'm going to, I think Gert Bevin is going to be coming on, uh, who's the guy uh, behind the Model 15 Moog app and also various other things. So he's going to be a guest. I think he'll be joining us from the Moog factory because obviously we've got Moog Fest happening from tomorrow onwards. Uh, just want to say again, uh, we have uh, Katie Kilobyte there who's going to be getting some video stuff and maybe posting some things from live blog and what have you. So uh, do stay tuned. Uh, we'll probably be running a blog tomorrow. So I'm happy to make it nice and easy just for various things to show up there if you want to get a sense of what's going on it's an embarrassment of riches there's lots and lots of good stuff in there tara bush is playing there uh with gary newman and various other people tara's a oh in fact tara's uh who introduced us isn't she that's right yeah we yeah, were introduced through friendly. tara yeah. um but i think we'll probably um probably knock it on the head for today that feels like a good time to stop so i want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us thank you to our youtube live viewers uh, i think we nearly broke 300 today which is a nice a nice number to get. So uh, thank you, everybody, in the YouTube stream. Thank you also, everybody, in uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live. Uh, I've got a, another fulsome chat room. Thank you to everybody there. Uh, and, Will, before we go, we should remind you about the competition if you want to win the brand-new Isotope Vocal Synth uh, plugin. Tweet the hashtag SingIt and the hashtag VocalSynth, all one word, to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. That's the hashtag SingIt and the hashtag VocalSynth to at SonicState and Isotope Inc. So it just remains for me to say uh, subscribe, obviously, if you've enjoyed this, subscribe to the channel or wherever it is that you get this feed from. That would be much appreciated. And say goodbye to our guests. I want to say, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. Are you, oh, you said you're around for a little bit now and you're before you go on tour. Are you, do you have to, are you all up to speed or do you have to get into rehearsals and do production stuff for that or is it all kind of pretty much, you know, ready to rock? Well, um, 
as far as I'm concerned, it's all ready to rock. (laughs) (laughs) And if it were up to me, uh, that's probably how we got. No, the truth is there's uh, a bunch of festivals coming up this summer that we're going to do. One of them's outside of London Ah. at, I think, Fulham Palace maybe or something. And and the other one is here in New York on the east end of Long Island like last year. And usually attended with these festivals is us, Chic, playing as sort of a house band thing with various other artists. And all of that requires... A lot of uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I expect that the time I, that's actually already begun, and I've got folders, uh, song folders for certain artists who I know we're going to be working with. But I'm sort of waiting for the rest of the information flow to gather right. before we go forward with the rest of that. But so, to that extent, your qu- answer to your question is yes. But um, as far as getting together with the other members of Chic and rehearsing the songs we typically play in the show, that's not likely to happen. Right. No, fair enough. Congratulations on the way, f- by the way, for saying Fulham and not Fulham, which is oh. a, a very easy thing to do because of the pronunciation of uh, uh, the way that Americans pronounce words. So I, I, I'm very <laughs> impressed, Rich. You're, you're, you're honorary Brit almost Thank there. You. Thank you. Anyway, have a, great, uh, have a great week and hopefully we will speak to you again soon. Uh, I should say that next week uh, is a show and then there won't be a live show the week after because I'm on holiday uh, so for a week, so I won't be around. Anyway, Dave, also Dave Spears, thank you for joining us too. Um, have you got anything new out? Did I see you've got some sort of special offer on, on, uh, on something you'd oh, like yeah. to plug? Yeah. It's in uh, lieu of a fee. <laughs> Yeah, we're doing uh, 50% off Oddity 2 for a couple of weeks, basically till the end of the month. We kind of, ah. we've been talking about doing it for ages and been putting it off and putting it off. And then I kind of, we, we, we kind of went, ah, oh, come on, let's do it. And I did a vid on the Jupiter 8, another one of those mad walkthrough things. But yes, oh, I do cool. too want to congratulate Rich on Fulham. If you're really posh in London, it's known as Flam. Like Flam. Streatham is known as St. Retham. Battersea <laughs> is Batersia. <laughs> Batersia. Oh, I better take some notes. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. No, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice one, Dave. Uh, well, uh, yeah. So people just check out g4software.com for all the available offers and deals, and go and uh, spend loads of money with you, and do all of those things, and uh, so you nice. can have a hol- you can have a holiday as well, eh? Yeah, or buy another synth, maybe. Ah, I that yes. Thing I did buy that Mogap. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, that's like. I, I watched a little bit of last week. Was it last week when you talked about it? it I mean, that really is a game, an iOS game changer. In fact, that makes some AU and VST stuff looks look kind of arcane as a format, you know? Yeah. Because I think the graphics are amazing. So, yeah, next mm. week will be interesting. Yeah, cool. All right, well, thank you very much, Dave. Also, Gaz Williams there, uh, gazwilliams.me, if you want to check out all Gaz things. I'm guessing oh, you're right woeful, in the zone woeful, for gigs, aren't you? That's woefully out of date, the website. But, um, yes, lots of stuff going on, lots of festivals going on now, and lots of uh, kind of um, time-balancing things going on as well. Um, just hoping to... Just, just amazing. The gigs are coming in and they're not quite clashing. It's coming in because I'm playing with four different bands across the summer. So it's uh, five, sorry, five different bands across wow. the summer. Uh, and yeah, and and it's all good stuff as well. So it's all stuff that I think is um, really worth doing. Uh, like Glastonbury, I've got six gigs in Glastonbury now. Um, <laughs> Let's is, pray for no rain. 
Oh, God, my word. It's going to be hard work as it goes if it rains. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, it's gonna, that's going to be hard work. I got that to, to dread. Um, but still, it's going to be fun. Um, and just, yeah, a whole bunch of other things as well. Some really mad stuff coming up. So I'm... Um, going to uh, be busy, busy, busy. Well, I'm, and I'm putting a lot of time into the Electron Analog 4. Um, oh, yeah, because you're playing that from your MIDI base, right? Yeah, and that's a, that's an experience as well, because that is actually a very perfect match, the Analog 4, for the MIDI bass, because you've got four separate synthesizer, you know, monosynths, one for each string, and it just allows for an incredibly deep amount of programming, because you've got five velocity locations. So, you know, you've got, there's such a lot of, you can do with velocity in your playing, so you can send it to five different places, and that's per string as well. So good grief! Mm, <laughs> it's a, it's a really it's really interesting. But the best thing I've discovered now, and I think I've found the killer feature, is uh, that the ability of the analog four to patch change in an instant. You know, oh, instantly, well. yeah, yeah. Where this works it's beautifully well is that on the floorboard that I've got here with patch changes. When you play a note, when you patch change it, it the voices will, um, any continuing voices will overlap. Uh, so, you know, you can leave some notes playing, change patch, and the notes decay, uh, releases will still be on it. Oh, that's useful. Uh, and then it, so you can do fantastic LFO drops and all sorts of that really exciting stuff. Uh, oh, it's... It's good. It's good. It's good. So yeah, I can imagine you. Yeah, busy, busy, busy. I, I, myself, I've got the Dominion One, which arrived. Um, so I've been trying to incorporate that into my live set because I'm playing at Cymru Beats uh, on the 18th of June. As I will plug again, um, I'm not entirely sure how that's going to go. Although I now have a challenge to fit two 37 note keyboards on a, a one meter by 600 table because that's my limit that's that's the creative limitation i've got so i'm probably just going to create some sort of monstrous stand <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um thank you for everybody for joining us it's been great fun as ever uh we will see you all uh at the other side and that's it for sonic talk uh 448 thank you very much see you next time <laughs>